I was on the emergency room yesterday. I had not seen uh, an admission for COVID in my last rotations. Yesterday, I, we had uh, five admissions for COVID-19, and they were all serious. Welcome to Beyond COVID, the podcast from Rain, the risk intelligence company. On today's podcast, Dr. Bill Lang and Dr. Fred Southwick update host David Lawrence about how to get through the holidays healthy and why you should be paying attention to travel plans for Chinese New Year. Fred and Bill, maybe we'll you know, divide this into three quick segments, update on where we are, where you think we're going, and uh, any perspectives on what's happening in China. David, where we are right now is probably better off than people were expecting we would be uh, prior to the ho- to the Thanksgiving holiday. Remember, we all thought that with a Thanksgiving holiday, there was going to be a, a further explosion of this, you know, triple demic of RSV, flu, and COVID. And what's really happened is that COVID has been essentially flat. It's been up maybe a little bit. But um, but hospitalizations and and deaths have been relatively flat um, over the past month, and then for flu, flu has been taking off um, not quite as rapidly as we thought. That's probably the bad actor of the three, and then RSV looks like it peaked in the about the second week of November. And it's been dropping off, I, I don't want to quite say precipitously, but it's been dropping off significantly. So to the point that there's still the rate of RSV and hospitalizations with kids are higher than almost any other year. But but a month ago, we, th- we thought we were going to see this explosion and we haven't seen it. It's actually coming down and it's manageable. Um, I'm not in the hospital, so I don't know, Fred, what they're seeing at in the University of Florida hospitals. But what I'm seeing across the country is that it's, it's, it's not exploding. So we made it through the first holiday challenge in the United States okay. It should be comparable to what happened with Thanksgiving, except it's a, a longer, you know, kids home from college and all of that. But so far, knock on wood, so good in the United States. I'm not really, and I, I would say also in, in Europe. But let's, we're not talking about China yet. That'll be a more interesting discussion. Bill, overall, I think that is correct. The, the big problem, as you know, as we both know, is that uh, it's hard to get a good handle on COVID-19 because uh, only patients that are being admitted or seen in a clinic are going to get a PCR test. And it's only the PCR, RT-PCR, that's being reported. So the, there's a gross underestimation of the cases. And really the only way to tell what the degree of activity is the hospitalizations. And fortunately, that's about a 7 to 14-day lag because it takes about that long for someone to end up in the hospital. Unfortunately, I was in the emergency room yesterday. I had not seen uh, an admission for covid in my last rotations yesterday, I, we had uh, five admissions for COVID-19, and they were all serious. They were used, most of the, almost all the patients were elderly, that is 65 or older. And I think that is the group that is going to pay the highest price during the holidays. And unfortunately, multiple generations tend to get together both in Thanksgiving and uh, for uh, the Christmas holidays and New Year's. 
and those that are over 65 are at significant risk. And, and the big problem I see is that the number of those over 65 that have had gotten the bivalent vaccine, which seems to be more protective for hospitalization, um, is only at about 30%. And uh, in Florida, I think it's about 20%. No, I agree. This the the vaccination for people who are at risk. There is increasingly questions about for non at risk populations whether the vaccine has a significant appreciable effect on um, on decreasing hospitalization and serious disease rates. Uh, but clearly, for the at risk populations, the especially over sixty five and even more especially over eighty, um, it makes a huge difference. Um, but the vaccination rate is, I think people are, uh, we have vaccine fatigue and they're just not getting vaccinated. And as you guys look out, I know predictions are often a fool's errand, but what are you seeing and what do you expect over the next uh, 30 days or so? You know, what we learned from Thanksgiving is that it's very hard to predict. I mean, I think all of us, and as you know, I've been fairly, I, I've not been an alarmist about the directions that things are going to go. I thought we were going to see a pretty big surge, especially with with RSV, um, but also with COVID and flu over the holidays and uh, over the Thanksgiving holiday, and we didn't. So I'm having a, a hard time predicting. I do see that in the, the many of the people that I am working with, that the um, vaccine rates for flu especially are going up. I think we put the the you know significant fear in people, appropriate fear in people with flu, and they are getting vaccinated. But we're not seeing that as much with the COVID vaccine. People are saying, "Yeah, I'm done." I would predict we're going to have a, it'll be a little worse than Thanksgiving. It's going to not going to be a giant surge because so many people have uh, had the virus and do at least have the uh, initial uh, vaccines, which I think uh, are somewhat protective in those under 65. I'm not so, uh, I still worry about those over 65 though, and we may see a surge in that age population. Any particular common sense uh, guidance uh, that you would impress upon people for the holiday period? Very much so. Just apply the layered defense, the Swiss cheese, as, as it's been called, um, as you go through your holiday parties and, and uh, events. The big thing being you, you want to try to, if you could, if you in a climate where you can be outdoors, do your party outdoors. If you're not, you want to try to minimize the density in any one room. If you're having a party at home for family, use your whole house and spread people out through the house. Don't cram everybody into one place. Right now, I would be very leery of going to um, bars and uh, nightclubs, those kinds of settings where it is person on person on top of person. We are still seeing lots of cases. And um, for, for the most part, people do just fine. It's like having a bad cold. But you hit the at-risk population. You, know, you bring it home to grandmom or granddad, and that can be concerning. So apply the layered, the layered approach. Um, you don't need to be disinfecting every single surface in your house for COVID. Now, wiping down surfaces as it relates to preventing RSV and flu, that's a, that's a good thing to do. Um, but hand hygiene is important. Um, just do all the things that we've learned over the past two years, two to three years. Yeah, I, I would agree with Bill. The one thing I would uh, uh, 
uh, one extra measure I would take if you're going to a gathering where you're going to be with uh, grandma and grandpa, I think the wisest thing if it's uh, is for everybody to test at the, at the door or right before they come uh, to see whether anyone is uh, antigen positive. And that, that I think, would be a further measure of protection because when you're in the house, you're not going to want to wear a mask. I think the idea, I like Bill's idea of, of spreading people throughout the house and not everybody being gathering in one small area. Therefore, you better be careful with the dining room. Everybody shouldn't sit in the dining room. We're, I would spread out to the couches. And the other thing that uh, it still hasn't been proven, but I think are a benefit, are the air filtration systems that uh, I have in my house and uh, also can reduce the amount of aerosol if someone does come into the house and is infected. Go ahead, Bill. The the air filtration, you're right, it hasn't been proven. And I was actually very skeptical early on, but we did see with a lot of the um, the office-based settings that, that I've worked with over the course of the pandemic, that places that had them did better than places that didn't. Never make decisions anecdotally. And we do know that they can decrease the amount of particulate matter in the air. And particulate matter is what carries these these aerosolized viruses. So I, yeah, I think that, that the air filtration units uh, in this setting probably are beneficial. Yeah, at the University of Florida, we actually have uh, Dr. Ledecky, who has done, uh, been working on coronaviruses for the last 20 years. And what he found is when he tried to trap the virus in the air, he found that if the filter itself, the physical trauma of going through the filter, actually rendered the virus no longer viable. Uh, you could pick it up by PCR, but you could not grow it. So I think just the going through uh, those filters can actually damage the virus and reduce its ability to infect. In the few minutes uh, we have remaining, Bill, I know you've been in touch with colleagues in China, and it would be great to get some perspectives about what's been happening, particularly uh, post the shift in their COVID policies and practices. What can you share with us? First off is that this shift in policies and practices is not what has been portrayed as they're just taking off all controls. No, in fact, when you read the uh, guidance from the China Health Commission, it is very similar to what most states have put out in the United States. You know, the the guidance for how long you should uh, isolate, should you quarantine if you've been exposed, um, what should you do about testing, it's, it's actually very comparable to what they've been doing. And I think that's important is that China has had almost three years to look at what the rest of the world has done right and done wrong. And they are trying to apply best practices. The problem is that you've got a population that has been told now for three years that this is a, fa- this is a potentially fatal disease. And if you get it, you're really at risk. Because that's what they told people to get them to comply with all of the, um, the very strict and stringent quarantine and isolation guidelines. They had to basically scare people to get them to do it. So now suddenly they're told, oh, never mind. It's it's not that bad after all. And you, you really needs an education program. Um, I, I think that any organizations that have large groups of people that work for you in China, it is, in, it is incumbent if you want to have a, a very a functioning organization to 
make sure they get a good education on what is real at this point. So, um, but the fact of the matter is that there are, you know, one one point three, one point four billion people in China. So even if it is now more like the disease that we're seeing in the United States or Europe, that's still a number of people who are going to be sick that will over, overwhelm the system. And once it starts overwhelming the system, you've got to work worry about social disruption. I think if you look at it on a rate basis, they're going to do fine because it's not the same virus. It's as as the, at the beginning, it is a much less severe virus. Um, there is immunity because, as we know, there has been much more COVID in the community there than has been let on. There have been plenty of people who have had COVID. And the vaccine they have is 90% of the population has been vaccinated. Unfortunately, only 60% of the over 65 population has been vaccinated. It's kind of the reverse of what we see in in the US and Europe. Um, So the at-risk population over there has not been vaccinated. So what I am really worried about is not that there is going to be an overwhelming rate of people who are um, ill or hospitalized, and it's not going to be the uh, the the productive segments of society, you know, the factory workers, the office workers, they're not going to be hit hard, but they're going to we're going to see grandma and granddad over there getting sick getting hospitalized, the hospitals are going to be overwhelmed. And once that starts happening, people are going to get even more scared because they're going to know that they don't have the medical services that they would normally need. But it's it's a function of just of just the pure numbers um, rather than being a uh, unprepared population with a highly virulent uh, disease. Uh, that's really interesting, Bill. Though the one concern I had in, in reading about China is that their vaccine uh, is predominantly a killed vaccine and has not been shown to be effective at all uh, against Omicron. It seems that uh, it really is able to evade the immunity brought on by that vaccine. So the protection won't be that good. But as you said, uh, it is clearly a less virulent virus and doesn't cause as much lower respiratory tract disease as the prior variants did. And uh, what they're seeing there is different uh, forms of the Omicron with different mutations. The problem is when you get a very large population, such as uh, China, where there are a lot of people infected at the same time, the likelihood of new variants that are either more virulent or more infectious is, gets high, it becomes high. And that's one of the big concerns. One of the curious things uh, I've been dealing with a lot in Florida and I'm seeing in China is that politicians are, they, they fixate or anchor on a policy. And then no matter what the data, they don't want to change. We saw that in China and the only reason they changed is because the population began uh, very fierce protesting. And otherwise, they would have continued this policy, which was not appropriate at this point in time. And they should have been focusing on making sure everyone was vaccinated. And they should have, uh, a, they had an offer by both Moderna and Pfizer to get the bivalent uh, vaccine, uh, but turned it down. And that was, a, in retrospect, that was a, a mistake on their part. But as we know, you and I, Bill, 
No, infectious disease is dynamic. You have to change your approach as you get more data and as the virus itself mutated, you have to change your policies to some extent. Uh, and the politicians are just not willing to change. And that is one of the big problems we have in Florida and one of the big problems they have in China. The other thing that does worry me in China is that they are running out of medications. Um, and when I say medications, I mean the simple stuff, Tylenol, Motrin. Um, they, I've talked to people that cannot buy Tylenol. In fact, uh, people have friends or even you know, co-workers in China. Something you can do is, is try, you can't always succeed, but try to, to ship them Tylenol or Motrin. That would be incredibly helpful because it's just, it's just simply not available. The, um, the China FDA announced on Monday that they were going to open the border controls. Generally, they do not allow in foreign medications at all, but they've re removed the border controls for um, antipyretics and anti-inflammatories, so they are going to bring them in. They say they have enough Paxlovid. I doubt it, just given the number of people in China. Um, but they say that it's available. Um, that that could, that's another thing that's going to mitigate. We didn't have that at the beginning, so they're going to have that as they hit their big wave. But I completely agree with Fred that what really scares me is just the number of people who are going to be getting COVID, and the mutations that can arise from that is what is what scares me. Something I am very worried about, um, and I haven't heard much about this, is as they are opening and removing their travel controls, including their international travel controls, that's happening right as we're going to be hitting um, Chinese New Year, which I believe is the, the end of January into February this year. Remember that what really sparked off the global pandemic was Chinese New Year when you know, hundreds of thousands of people were traveling home and back either direction. Um, and that's what spread it around the world. That's what really got Italy hit hard um, at the very beginning because of the huge Chinese guest worker population in northern Italy. That was undoubtedly the, the cause for that. And it worries me now that we're going to once again have hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people traveling for the Lunar New Year. I know both of you have uh, been great students trying to figure out what data is reliable. And uh, once again, a takeaway here is that it's not just a biological question, it's a political question, Fred. It's uh, one in terms of accuracy of information that gets disseminated to the public. And my assumption here, just in signing off for uh, the various listeners who have either employees or critical supply chain partners or loved ones uh, in China is some of the same procedures and precautions that you've advocated here in the United States should no less um, be put into effect um, in China uh, in light of what, what is happening. I think you're exactly right, David. That's it's It's thinking through not the first order effects, which I don't think are going to be as bad as people are worrying about because the first order effects are where the people of productivity ages that are hit are not going to be that hard. But it's all the second order effects. The people who are out because their grandparents or their kids are out, um, people who are just or who don't go to work because they're scared because the hospitals are not available. It's all those kinds of things that are going to make a difference. So people need to 
think through those second, third order effects and how it affects supply lines, um, how it affects manufacturing, all those kinds of things. I think it's it's a it's a fair bet that we're going to have disruptions in all of that for the, over the next. 90 days or so um, and then I think we'd probably be through the pandemic curve for China but we'll see and I know you guys will be watching for any uh, new variants uh, irrespective of where they may be coming from anyway I want to wish you both um, healthy happy and safe holiday season thank you for your contributions here and uh, we'll reconvene after the new year thank you David uh, happy holidays yes thank you David And uh, have a wonderful holiday.